0: Welcome to episode 17 of the AFA GenX podcast. My name is Ashley Mahadia, the National Chair of the GenX Community of Practice and your host for this episode. A big thank you to the AFA for allowing us to host this podcast and to our supporting partner, Advice Intelligence. In this episode, we speak to Dawn Thomas, National Chair of Inspire, and Tim Henry, business owner and financial advisor. Don and Tim are both contributing in creating a safe and equitable environment for women to thrive. As we approach International Women's Day 2023, I talk to them about the theme of this year's celebration, the do's and don'ts when celebrating International Women's Day, and also how far we still have to go as a profession to create an equitable space for everyone. Dawn and Tim, welcome to the AFA Gen X podcast. Uh, No doubt we are once again discussing an all important
1: topic.
2: Thank you for having us on.
1: G'day Ash, glad to be here. How are you Dawn?
2: I'm doing very well, Tim, now that I get to speak to both of you.
1: That's good.
0: Amazing, let's get right into it. Dawn, can you tell us the theme for International Women's Day 2023?
2: Okay, now if you Google International Women's Day, the first hit you're gonna get is a site that says the theme is embrace um, equity. Now this site is more of a corporate site and I've been I've actually been guilty of this in the past. You Google and you go, what's the theme? And then the one that comes up top seems to be legit. Uh, but this site is really used for a lot of corporates to be able to promote International Women's Day. Um, but what we really want is for people to go to the UN Australia site. Now they don't have the fancy hashtags, And their theme is Cracking the Code, okay? Innovation for a gender equal future. Um, And the thing about this is that there's no catchy slogans, but they're really talking about impact. And it's about leveraging technology um, with disruptive innovation and to access education for women um, so that we can actually challenge and crack our own bias as well as systematic challenges that are in society today. So, you know, there's the point about innovation and using that to get education to more women and be able to break bias, but it's also challenging our own bias and how we sit within the system and how we can actually crack that and then help everybody actually have a pathway uh, towards an equal, uh, you know, future that is fair to them.
0: And uh, Dawn, uh, before we move on, can you talk about the events that um, Inspire is hosting throughout Australia? on International Women's Day?
2: Yeah, so we, we are keeping with the theme of uh, cracking the code. Um, and we hope where it is possible with different states is to get a whole group of women together. And I know women are sometimes tired of the afternoon teas and lunches where we get everyone together and no action comes out of it. But I promise you, you're gonna feel the energy at these events. You're going to hear other change makers are there. You're going to meet other women that can help you as well, make those changes. So please look up uh, what's happening in your local state um, to join in. And I'm sure from those events, great changes will come about.
0: Awesome. Tim, what are the do's and don'ts uh, on how to celebrate International Women's Day? I want to know your perspective as a man.
1: Well, I'll start by saying it feels like walking into a booby trap, (laughs) (laughs) that question. But um, no, look, I think um, first of all, what are the do's or what I've learned over the last few years of and and probably Dawn, my um, uh, relationship with Dawn uh, has probably enhanced this a bit because we've talked about these topics a lot is really to get out there and listen. I think as a, as a male, what are the do's try and listen, try and, um, become a bit more educated in the issues. Um, I really think keep that simple. If we were doing no, any more than that is just hearing what's going on. What are the challenges for women, particularly in our profession and listening to those stories and becoming more educated and, and, if that leads you to maybe thinking about what you could do to impact that, that's great. What are the don'ts? Uh, one thing that I'm just going to reflect on is I did do a recent post in, it's now called Ensemble, um, XY Advisor, promoting the Women's Index, probably quite passionately uh, talking to people about what they could do. There's some people in there did perceive that to be giving them a lecture on equality, some of the males. Um one of the things I'm really big on is we've got to have those discussions. I would not dismiss those thoughts that those males had. And I think sometimes we can be guilty uh, in today's world of saying, well, if you don't agree with us, you must be sexist or something like that. I, I don't believe that to be the case. People can have their own thoughts. They can have their own beliefs. Uh, it's just about discussing it and flushing out you know, what's reality from fact um, and, and and really trying to um, influence people in the right direction. Go on.
2: Uh, so the first do um, is make sure you have the right theme. As we've discussed on point one, please avoid the urge for a very handy hashtag moment. So look at UN Australia. They're not savvy on the social media front, but please just put in that time to look a little bit further down your search engine for UN Australia's um, guidance on what to do. Uh, really, really love the points that Tim made about being open to the conversation, um, and you know, I think Tim's better at it than when he hears certain comments that are being made. he sort of got a lot more patience than I do, probably. From <laughs> seeing that, um, another do is talk about the real statistics uh, that are impacting women. Now, all the women are the fastest growing group to experience homelessness in Australia. In 2016, there was a 31 percent increase from 2011. so that's double the rate of, of people um, actually experiencing homelessness which is very concerning and most of these women haven't actually experienced homelessness before up to that point. Um, and the reasons as financial advisors is that we we know what causes that you know is' ultimately a series of events you know time of work, uh, divorce, um, the the wage gap all of that rules on uh, to a position where they are vulnerable. So let's be honest about these stats, okay? Let's not sugarcoat it, especially on the day. Let's be real about it and talk about how we're gonna help. Um, The next thing about stats is that one in six women have experienced physical violence. One in four women have experienced emotional abuse. Financial abuse is one of those factors that are preventing women from being able to flee from the situation. Um, Every nine days, you know, one woman is killed because of domestic violence. And if you think about the number of assaults, one in two assaults in Australia against women are because of domestic violence. One in three murders against women are due to domestic violence. So again, nothing to sugarcoat around those figures because we've got to do something about it. Um, Next thing is committing to action. So if International Women's Day is going to be more than just a morning tea and a hashtag exercise on social media, say you care, it'll be a great time to introduce something that's meaningful to women in your community, um, so is there going to be super guarantee on parental leave? You know, is that something the business could do and launch on International Women's Day? That's so meaningful. Um, what about a mentoring women uh, mentoring program to help women within your business actually go ahead uh, to move forward into roles that they would like to flourish in? Um, what about doing a pay review to ensure that women are paid fairly within your business? Um, look at your hiring practices. Is there bias that's entrenched in that hiring practice where women are not getting a fair go just because of perceived, you know, time off and not having that hunting skill that they talk about that advisors need to have? Can we look past that and look for something that's more long term? Um, and in terms of HR, you know, something that you could consider is: Are you gonna look at someone? with HR externally so that you can look more fairly at bullying and sexual harassment complaints. Um, see, Ash, I've got still a list here. Someone go through it. As a woman, I've got many demands. So I'm going to go through them. The next thing is that update your HR policies. As of 1st of February, Fair Work has introduced 10 days of paid leave for family and domestic violence. Now, is that in your staff handbook? Um, how are you going to announce it to staff? Now, with Fair Work, they say that you can ask for evidence. It can be statutory dec- declarations, police reports, um, you know, court documents. However, they have stated that most businesses will not ask for this evidence. I would say in writing it within your staff handbook about this leave, maybe take a sympathetic view where people who may be in this position are more likely to apply for it because they know they're not going to have to have this whole list of evidence they're going to, to have to provide. At the end of the day, as a business, you know the staff. Um, so let's make it something that is accessible to them, even in the way we word it or announce it within businesses. Um, one don't is that on International Women's Day, please don't say when is International Men's Day. Um, just don't. And as a leader, if you see that kind of snarky remarks happening on International Women's Day, don't walk past that. Use that as an opportunity, as Tim said, to have the conversation collaborate and see whether a middle ground can be actually reached.
0: Very well said. And it leads to my next question. How far do we have to go as a profession to ensure a more equitable space for women and diverse groups? Tim, we'll start with you.
1: Well, yeah, well, it f- still feels a long way off. Um, and, and, uh, I'll, I'll, let's speak specifically in our profession. Um, you know we we do a little bit of support work with finanzi who produce the quarterly index on uh, economic equality and in terms of um business sectors uh the financial and insurance services sector has the second biggest gender pay gap across all the sectors now, that some of that is driven by um when when you look at the the index itself, they talk about two key drivers for driving some of these stats. One of the drivers is the amount of unpaid work that women do. The other driver is education, uh, which will probably lead into one of the topics we're going to talk about later with getting female advisors. But um, so clearly it's driven by that the education, and and po- probably that's why there is such a, a gender pay gap in this profession. But those stats are stats, they're facts and we're a long way off. Donald?
2: Um, now, there's a reason why we have Tim on here because we like him as our champion um, <laughs> because Tim represents uh, sort of what we want to do as a community, even with Inspire, is that we need everyone to come together for this because we do agree there's a long way to go. Um, at the moment, the onus is still on women to drive this change and the distribution of power to hire and to advance people, the businesses are largely held by one demographic of people. I think we know who we're talking about. So increasing the diversity and the fair working conditions of people in the profession can't be something that only women and diverse groups drive on their own. We really need men to come on board and champion the change. So if we're calling out all of you, please, please be our champions. We need you on this journey.
0: Tim. I would join Dawn um, in saying that clearly you are someone that have decided to make a change within your uh, business Um, and as a business owner, I know you you didn't really want that question because you thought, you know, you're just going to boast about yourself. That's not the case at all. Think you're someone that has started to impact positively on the women working uh, with you. Um, What have you done the last 12 months to ensure a more diverse, inclusive um, and equitable workspace?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, I think when when we talk about the workspace as well and we think about our profession, um, I think there's also an extension of just our staff, you know, like we deal with other advisors and help them we deal with many companies and a lot of women in those companies so i sort of see it plays out amongst all of those areas but um specifically what we've done i do think i did mention it late last year on one of these podcasts is that we did actually introduce uh paid super on parental leave here now we're a small business so um it's a, it's a small token thing. We've got one lady on maternity leave. Um, for bigger businesses that have more, more exposure, I get that it's not a small decision for them. but we have done that and it's it's definitely something that's really important to bridging that the, this super uh, gender pay gender gap. Um, the other thing is that we've been uh, we have sponsored Financy. With the women's index, and and why I decided to do that was because it's factual data. Yeah, you know, so much of what we talk about sometimes in this topic is um, just opinions and what we think's happening, but it, it's hard data. Uh, it's put together by really um, well-credentialed cred- economists and journalists. And also Financy is launching the Financy Impactor. And so we've been uh, on the pilot for that and testing that. So that that's a great piece of software that any business can subscribe to, to help measure themselves in these areas and start improving. So all of that put together is just a starting step, if you like, in, down this road. And I think if I was to say anything to, to people is um, – it, it just has to be a step in the right direction. You don't have to yeah, come up with um, some exhaustive plan straight away. Just start stepping in the right direction.
0: And do you have anything for the next 12 months now, anything that you plan to do uh, within your business?
1: Uh, we will be doing that impactor um and that that will drive a lot of that because once we're able to do more work in there that's going to help us um work out what we were shooting for or where we may need to improve and i think we've got to be open to there might be areas there for some of the women in our business it might be that we're talking to them about those educational opportunities so I, i just in my simple way of thinking is there's two key drivers there, which we mentioned unpaid work and education. So I'm pretty focused on trying to impact those. Um, Have we got time just to, I did get some steps that might help businesses. Um, And that was from uh, Bianca uh, Hachie Hazelman, who runs Financy. Six just basic steps that any business could do to start stepping in the right direction. Number one, understand the growing importance of gender equality diversity and inclusion to your customer number two review your gender diversity profile in leadership teams number three review your gender pay gap position wonder if people could bet you they couldn't just tell you off bang like that what the number is um they might be surprised consider how your brand position is being impacted by your gender image Uh, Five, be honest about your position. If it needs work, say it and then state how you intend to take action. Six, deliver targeted promotions of the actions you intend um, taking internally and through your supply chains to improve gender diversity and be prepared to measure your and report on your progress with pride. And some of that, I think, is saying, look, being open to saying we're not where we want to be, and we're gonna, we've got a plan to get there. That is okay. I think um, where businesses might get worried is to say, you know, we we, we don't want to admit um, we're off the off the mark here, and we, we need to keep it a secret till we sort it out. Uh, it's a bigger problem than that. I think. I don't think it's an overnight solution. I well said, Don, we're going to talk a little bit about financial planning strategies. Um,
0: Do you think that there are some key financial planning strategies um, that need to be considered for women in 2023?
2: Yes, so I think most advisors are already on looking at, you know, equalizing superannuation balances between a couple. I think that is something across the board that we hear that we're doing as the norm. Uh, But we think about other considerations coming up for women. um, Things like freezing their eggs and IVF treatment uh, are important financial considerations when you're looking at a position uh, because that's something that's that's coming into play now. Uh, that women are assessing their needs, you know, they may not necessarily want to wait for the right partner, you know, it's it it depends on how life unfolds, as we know life can be unpredictable. So, can we have these conversations where we broaden out what the broader impacts are in the future uh, for women um, if they choose to go down the route of having children in the future? Um, The other thing as well is, um, you know, challenging them about some things that may not actually be tested, like them saying we might be staying at home because childcare is too expensive. It's it's more than what it would be if I went to work. I think instead of us being order takers in that area, it's for us to step in as trusted partners and go, can we challenge you on that? Look, it's okay if you want to stay at home with your kids, but if that's the obstacle to you um, returning to work for a certain amount of time. Um, let's test that out. You know, all of us have have uh, access to projections. You so could we model, can, that, he? He can model that, couldn't you? You can model it. Very yes. Mm. Very. We've got the simple solutions to demonstrate whether something is is myth um, or not, and then guide them that way. Um, and and the other thing is as well taking more mentorship of of your clients. Um, if the the conversations around gender pay gap about them not advancing, if they're telling you, and and this happens in our office because they trust us, they're not happy in a job because it's a toxic place. It is absolutely our role to step in there and guide them through that. You know, it's not just let's listen to it and not take action. We are their life coaches, you know, aside from their partners, we are their partners in crime as well. So come on, so let's let's get in there with those conversations, challenge them on some of the stuff that's going on, but coach them out of a situation that they shouldn't be in either.
0: And uh, Dawn, following up on this, How do you ensure that women that are seeking financial advice, right, that are not maybe uh, in a relationship or or are divorced, how do we make them feel valued when they come and see the uh, financial advisor? Because sometimes the conversation needs to be completely different, right, based on uh, their life situations.
2: Yeah, I would urge financial advisors to think about maybe having a more collaborative approach rather than dictative. I've had clients come in saying that she's had Absolute machines deal with her in the past. And if you think about the machines lining up, it could be the accountant, the financial advisor, the real estate agent, all these people coming at you and telling you what you should do. That's not an empowering process, you know, if you're a woman on your own. So let's take that step in to go, can I collaborate with you? Because this is really an empowerment journey. Uh, That, you know, that is the thing that sets aside from robots uh, and stuff that you Google and get an answer is that we understand the person in front of us and we want to be able to help them understand what their choices are, but also challenge them. And that power of collaboration is ultimately what leads to empowerment.
1: Very well said. I think as well, um, Dawn, don't you, that whether it's women or men, to be honest, um, quite often are not, unless you open and create that environment where you're saying, look, it's okay to put your hand up and say, anything on the table here that you don't understand. There could be some, what we might consider to be fundamental concepts, but if they've been not been in the workforce for periods of time or or whatever, they might not be across really what superannuation actually even is or or those types of topics. I think it's really to say, look, let's build knowledge, educate and help empower you to, to make the, these good decisions. Tim, and again, as a business owner, how do you do this within your uh,
0: workspace to make women feel valued?
1: Uh, well, I think we'll, I've talked about this before as well, is that we, we, our business has actually made a point of um, being friendly towards <laughs> women and, and I guess um, even to the point of they would be a, a client that we'd be more than happy to deal with, and we do get a lot of uh, single women approaching retirement, um, even in a couple situation, it probably is the the female who, who will do the reaching out. So, you know, we, we've tended to set up our marketing, our communication, educate, and also the way we present uh, our process is really geared to that empowerment and and trying to educate along the way, and you, uh, we even do say during the the process, uh, if we made ourselves redundant in this process, uh, that would be we'd be happy with that. Now that's maybe a bit of a reverse psychology there that they love working with us even more. But um, but the, we still would strive to do that. And and if we can empower people, I think this has been the missing link. Dawn just said it. There is um, tend to be just oh look just do this. And, and the reason is because I said, uh, it's a good idea. That's just not really going to wash. All right,
0: last question for today. Um, Don, Phil Anderson uh, mentioned recently, uh, on the AFA GenX podcast, that it's quite a new entrance, um, especially female entrants in financial planning courses. Um, what can we do to improve this situation?
2: Yeah, I think it's a a broader issue around just getting anyone in to replace the numbers that have fallen. Um, I had a client in this week that's from an engineering background, and he he told me, I was explaining to him what was happening in our profession, and he said, I don't think any kid goes to university and says they want to be a financial advisor. And I think that's, that's already the issue is that we've got We've got to start earlier, you know, and I think the, the the government needs to be on our side. They need to champion the good news stories that, you know, we're not just something as a product for the Royal Commission. Like we, we need to really be promoted as some something that, um, you know, a profession that is there to really help the community. And I think people, the right people will be attracted if it's positioned as such, right? If you're saying that you're changing lives, you're helping empower people, I, I think that sounds pretty cool. But I don't think many people know about our jobs till no. they maybe yeah, accidentally end up in an office and then they see what we do. And then they've got to go back and do what a postgraduate diploma after their initial degree. So I think that's step one. Uh, step two um, is, I mean, challenging your own uh, bias. I think hiring bias because we've got students that are at university um, and I do know of female students that are being knocked back for roles. Um, because maybe the traditional view of financial advice is still applied to a candidate, right? So think about why why are you knocking back this person? If this person could be a long-term investment, surely that's better than someone that's trying to rise really quickly for two years and leaves your business anyway. So, you know, challenge really how you're viewing the person in front of you, um, because it's still happening now that, you know, female um, financial planning students may not be seen with the same promise if they're not really demonstrating that 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 hunting kind of skill i don't know tim is that sort of the old school way of of that's how they would describe our job rather than it being a partnership and a nurturing relationship which we know they'll do really well in um so as as people who are leadership positions please just challenge yourself on why someone's not appropriate um and then you know lastly as well i think advisors if you can have a call out Please share your good news stories, share the stuff that makes you proud to be who you are, because at the moment, no one is telling those stories about us. And there are plenty of young people that need to hear them so they can join in to, you know, this revolution that we have happening.
1: Tim, last words? Uh, Well, it's probably a bit of a challenge back to groups like the AFA and, and FPA is to say, well, we know that... Um, in say board positions and that sort of thing there's a there's stated goals with a lot of companies to try and get that 50 50 equality you know they're not quite there they're maybe at 35 percent or something but would there be a stated goal to get 50 50 advice male and female advisors and that's got to start somewhere and i think what dawn is it's right what dawn said it's got to start with spreading that message when reaching schools and universities that this we want this to happen and and it's probably got to come from us as an as a profession led by the professional representative groups and with with all of us in support of that don and tim an absolute pleasure to have you on the
0: afa genetics podcast thank you so much for your time
2: thank you Ash. thanks
0: ash We hope that you've enjoyed episode 17 of the AFA GenX podcast. I'd like to thank Dawn and Tim for the incredible insights. Thank you to the AFA and Advice Intelligence for their support. See you soon.